our gospel reading this morning and the reading upon which our sermon is based is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Would you follow along as I read? Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and rest upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you our thanks because you give us your word. And you give us not just your word, but your promise is that in your word, you give us your very self. That your words carry your power, they carry your presence, and that is good news for us. Oh God, every one of us in this room need you to be present with us, to show up in our lives. We need to be connected to you and united to you. We need to learn more about you. We need to fall more deeply in love with you. And so we want, we desire to respond to your grace. Would you extend it now for our good and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many of you know that a week ago this morning, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven others died in a tragic helicopter accident. And their deaths have rocked the sports world. Uh, they rocked the city of LA. They've impacted uh, the Laker nation, as it were. And they've affected each and every one of us in different ways. Uh, we've heard story upon story this week about their lives and their impact in this world. In fact, Kathy and I uh, were participating in a workout on Friday morning, and our trainer, Joey, organized the entire workout around Kobe Bryant, so using his numbers and some of his favorite exercises. And it was uh, done with good cheer and in good fun. But at the end of the exercise, our trainer gathered everybody around, and he said, hey, I want to be serious for a moment. Kobe's death has really impacted me. In fact, I couldn't get out of bed and leave my workouts the first couple days this week. It's been really hard, and I've been reflecting, and I just want to remind you of what you know, that life is short, and life is precious, and so Joey said to us, hug your wife, love your kid, enjoy a friend, life is short. And he echoed a sentiment that many of us have heard and are experiencing, and it's a good reminder that life is short, that we have a mortality, and that death one day will come. This is a biblical truth that is given as a gift. Psalm 143 says this, put no trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. It's a gift from God to be reminded every once in a while that we are mortal 
And that there is not one of us, not a single one of us, who in our own strength have a ministry, have an ability that will rescue us from death. And I think that's in part what many of us have been wrestling with this week. Not a single one of us can deliver ourselves or anybody else from death. And it's a good scriptural reminder because Jesus does have that ministry. He can deliver us and he has. Jesus has a ministry that delivers from death into life. And Matthew reminds us this morning in this passage of Jesus' baptism just what that ministry is and what it looks like. This is one of those read-over passages. You know, the flyover states that you never land in, you just fly over. This is one of those passages that many followers of Jesus who like to read the Gospels just read right over, right? You start in the passages that you really enjoy, the birth narratives, and then you kind of read over these so that you can get to the Sermon on the Mount and the miracles and the teachings and all those good things, right? It's a, often a read-over passage. Don't let it be a read-over passage for you this morning, for you this week, because there is encouragement here. There is blessing for us here as we consider Jesus' baptism and in considering Jesus' baptism, the implications for our own. We see three things about Jesus' baptism in this passage. First, his resolved obedience. Second, his ministry of identification. And third, his father's blessing. His resolved obedience, his ministry of identification, and then his father's blessing. And then as we reflect upon our own baptisms, we can see the ministry of identification that we receive that leads to the blessing of the father that then leads to our ministry of obedience coming out of his. Jesus' baptism beginning with his obedient resolve. Now, do you remember the context? John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and John the Baptist is a prophet in the mold of Elijah, and so he's out by the Jordan River, and he's proclaiming the good news that the kingdom has arrived. The death-defeating, life-bringing kingdom of God, his rule and his reign and his presence with his people It's here. And so John is preaching, repent, be baptized. The kingdom is here. Get ready. It's coming. And the people come. And they repent. And they're being baptized. Right? John is pumped up in this moment. He's like a hype man. If you've ever been to a rap concert, I never have. True confession. But I know that they have hype men. And what these people do is they get the crowd pumped up, right? They get the crowd pumped up, and their job is to get the crowd excited and ready for the main act. And they're pointing at everything they do to the main act, and that's John. He's the hype man, and the main act is Jesus. And John is pumped. He's like, listen, y'all, he's coming. He's the one who's more powerful than me. He's more powerful than you. I'm baptizing with water. He's going to baptize with the Spirit and with fire. He's coming. He's going to wipe the slate clean. He's going to kick evil out. He's going to bring in righteousness. He's coming. He's here. Get ready. John is the hype man. And the people are excited. And John is excited. 
and we pick up in our passage, Jesus shows up. He comes out to the Jordan. I mean, can you imagine if you're John? There he is. There he is. Here he is. He's going to do his thing. Let's all watch what happens. And what does Jesus say to John? He said, okay, cousin, baptize me. And John's like, what? Hey, this is Jesus' first public appearance as an adult on the pages of the Bible. This is his coming out ministry moment. Right? If you've been listening to the stories about Kobe all week long, people have been reflecting on his coming out moment as an athlete, as a basketball player, right? And there's all sorts of debate as to which one's more significant because a coming out moment sets the tone for the rest of your career, for the rest of your ministry. And so there are all sorts of fun debate. Was it the dunk contest that Kobe won as a young player, which would indicate that his career is going to be filled with power and creativity? Was it the fact that he signed to the NBA right out of high school, which indicated both his prodigious talent and his prodigious ego? Was it his reserve role player status for his first couple seasons in which he indicated that his humility and his team first mentality. One of those was his coming out moment. Which one was it? Well, for Jesus, this is it. He comes on the scene. John's hyped him up. And Jesus says, okay, first things first, you need to baptize me. What? John says, are you kidding? Me baptize you? That's going to be your first move of ministry on the scene? What is going on? And Jesus says, we are doing this, John. We must do this to fulfill all righteousness. It's the right thing to do for me right now as my first act of ministry to be baptized by you with these people who are being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. We see Jesus do this sort of thing all the time with his disciples. Right? If you look into chapter 4, where does Jesus head? He heads out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And the temptation that Satan is going to give is, Jesus, there are other ways for you to do your ministry. You can come with the power of God himself. I'll give you my power. You don't have to do this through suffering. And Jesus says, no. No, this is the way that the Father has given me to go. This is my ministry. And his disciples make the same mistake, right? They're like John. They don't get it. We don't understand Jesus. Do you remember the scene with Peter, right? Peter has just confessed that Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus says, you're right. Peter, in fact, the Son of Man must die and be raised on the third day. And Peter says, no, 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 no. No, Jesus, no. That's not going to happen. That's not how your ministry is going to go. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus knows that he must fulfill all righteousness in this way. He has to do the right thing, not just in this moment. It's not just that he realizes, okay, the Heavenly Father wants me to be baptized. John, do it. Let's, let's be baptized today. No, 
fulfilling all righteousness is deeper than that. It starts further back. It goes further forward. We know this because of the commendation that the Father gives Jesus as he's baptized. Did you catch this? If I can find my place. The heavens opened up and the Spirit of God descended like a dove coming to rest on Jesus. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. If those sound familiar to you, it's because they are familiar. Two of the most recognizable passages in the Old Testament Scriptures have resonance here. Think of Psalm 2. Psalm 2 which says this, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Psalm 2, which looks forward to that great day when God would come and establish his righteousness through a king who would make the ends of the earth his possession. That is the fulfilling of all righteousness that Jesus is resolved to do in this passage. Isaiah 42, TJ read it for us. Verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Again, the messianic prophecies of the one who would come to deal death its final defeat and bring life in its fullness and establish God's kingdom. That is the righteousness, the faithfulness to God and God's will and mission for Jesus that Jesus is resolved to fulfill. And friends, what I hope that you can see and take in this morning is that Jesus is resolved to obedience for you and for me and for our city, and for this sin-stained and sorrow-soaked world. Cousin, we must do this. Why is John so scandalized? What's the big deal that Jesus wants to be baptized? Why is this such a strange ministry path and game plan, at least according to John. Well, let's get John a little bit of a break because it makes sense, his perspective, right? John says, I should be baptizing you. You're the greater one. I should be honoring you. I should be recognizing your glory. And that makes some kind of sense, doesn't it? Secondly, John says, they're being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, you don't need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. What's going on there? And thirdly, John's implying, Jesus, we don't need you down here in the water with us. We need you out there and up there delivering us from our sin and from our oppression. We need you not to identify with us, but to identify as God and God's deliverer and come with his might. We want you to identify with power and with greatness for us. And Jesus says, no, this is my coming out ministry move because this is the nature 
of my ministry. I'm not identifying with God in his strength and power, although I am bringing that. I am identifying with you in your weakness and in your sin. My ministry is to come and be with you. My ministry is to come and be like you so that I can be for you. That is how I will deliver you. John had no category for this. Jesus says, my ministry is to become as you are for your own sake. And this is what he does. If you watch him march through the pages of the gospel stories, you see Jesus time after time after time coming to the weak and the broken and the sick and the sinful and the marginalized and the hurting and come right up to them and get with them as if to say, I'm here for you. I'm here with you. It is his ministry of identification, but there's a deeper ministry going on than just empathizing with our weakness. He actually can sympathize with our weakness and our hurting and our frailty, right? He takes on the weakness of our bodies. He takes on the strains of our relationships. He takes on the circumstances of our fears and anxieties. He takes on our temptations. He takes on our sufferings. And part of what he's communicating when he gets down into that water is he's saying, I am a Savior who is coming and feels what you feel, and hurts as you hurt. And so the one who will be with you is the one who knows what you're going through. The one who can bring you comfort is the one who has experienced everything that you need comfort from. Right? You've heard the expression, never trust a skinny chef. Have you heard that? You don't trust a skinny chef because the skinny chef hasn't eaten the food that he's trying to get you to eat. Right? And Jesus is saying, don't trust a Savior who hasn't experienced what you need to be delivered from. And he does that. And some of you have experienced that ministry of identification from Jesus. In the midst of your deepest hurts and challenges and fears and even doubts, you've been comforted by the presence of Jesus, knowing that he's gone through what you've gone through. And it's given you faith and hope and even love that you needed in that moment. The author of Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect, in every respect, been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so we can draw confidence We can come near to the throne of grace. We can find mercy and the grace that we need in time of need because Jesus' ministry is to be with us so that he can be for us. But his ministry of identification goes even deeper than that, friends. Jesus comes into the waters with those who need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, though he himself does not have that need. And what is he doing? 
he's indicating the heart of what his ministry is all about. That Jesus' ministry of identification leads to a ministry of participation. That Jesus is going to participate in our very sin and guilt. He's going to identify so deeply with us that he actually takes on the guilt of our sin and gives us his righteous status before the Father. Friends, this is the mystery of the good news of the gospel. This is the mission of God from the, before the foundations of the world, that he would come and he would deliver his people and his world from sin and death by taking their sin and their death upon himself. So that they, so that you, so that I, so that we might so identify with him that his righteousness his status before the Heavenly Father is ours. Friends, that is the scandal that John the Baptist could not wrap his mind around and could not understand. And Jesus is resolved to fulfill all righteousness, being faithful to the Heavenly Father's will by coming not with power, but with a willingness to identify with us to the deepest, darkest levels of the very interior of our souls. Identifying with our very sin that separates us from the Father. Friends, this baptism, this coming out ministry of Jesus points to a greater baptism. Jesus talks about this himself. He tells his disciples, there's a baptism that is to come that I have not yet experienced. And he's speaking of the baptism of his death. He's speaking of the day when he would go down into the waters of, his, of baptism and his death on the cross and come out of the waters in his resurrection from the grave. And that is his deepest baptism and his ministry of identification the Apostle Paul reflects upon this mystery in Romans chapter 6. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Friends, Jesus has a ministry that delivers us from death into life. It is his ministry of identification. John can't believe it. Jesus, this is how you're going to come and minister? And so God the Heavenly Father gives John and anybody else who is listening in his affirmation and confirmation that yes, this is exactly how Jesus is to fulfill all righteousness. The heavens open, the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus, and the voice of the Father 
the benediction of the Father over Jesus. This is my Son in whom I take great delight. So friends, as we reflect upon the good news of Jesus' baptism for us, let us also reflect upon our own baptisms. How ought we respond to this ministry of reconciliation, this ministry of identification that Jesus has in his baptism? Well, one way, if you're a follower of Jesus, one way to respond is to reflect upon your own baptism. And if I've gotten too far ahead of ourselves, let me back up a second. If you've not yet been baptized, if you've not yet identified with Jesus by receiving the gift of his identification, if you've not yet said to Jesus, in faith, I'm going to trust that your death was for my death and your life is now my life. I'm going to trust that my only hope for a ministry that can defeat the grave that is coming is you. If you haven't done that, then your first response is to do it, is to receive him, is to say, yes, thank you very much, Jesus. I will take your ministry of identification. I will gladly give you my sin. I will gladly take your righteousness. I think that's a good deal for me. I'll take it. Friends, that's what it means to become a follower of Jesus. In faith, receiving the gift that he has brought. And we mark that by baptism. And if you've never done that, come talk to me after. Let's get you baptized. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, reflect upon your baptism this morning, right? Jesus had a resolved obedience that brought him to his baptism, his ministry of identification that led to the Father's benediction. We have the same in him. The order is just a little bit different. Right? In our baptism, we receive the gifts of his ministry of identification. What is his is ours, and what is ours is his. Reflect upon the beauty and the glory of that and what you have in him because of his ministry to you. Most of you know that my family and I moved from Northern California. We were in Marin County in one of the nicest country clubs in Marin County. It's called the Meadow Club. Uh, I barely play golf. I can get myself around a golf course. And I've never been a member of a country club. And so I had the privilege of playing golf and swimming in the pool and eating in the dining hall of one of the best country clubs in one of the wealthiest counties in the entire United States. And here's the thing about those kinds of country clubs. If you've never experienced this, it was kind of new for me. You walk in and you're like, I need um, one of the, where's the bucket of balls that are like the 25 cent balls? And they're like, no, we don't have those. Like, okay, well, like where's the sleeve of the smallest number of golf balls that I can get? They're right over here. Okay, how much do I owe you for that? Oh, you can't pay for that. Like, we don't take currency at the Meadow Club. What do you mean? Can I give you cash? No. Can I give you a card? No. Like, the only currency that they take at the Meadow Club is membership, right? Some of you know that this is how it works. I had to learn this. Like, oh, so I take those three balls, and then what do I, like, what do I do? And I said, well, like, who's the member that you're with? Oh, I'm with Charlie. 
Like, great, that's all you got to do. Just say, I'm with Charlie. Like, cool. Like, where's the bigger sleeve of balls? Like the 12 <laughs> balls. Because I'll take those too. Right? It was awesome. You walk around eating this amazing food, swimming in these amazing swimming pools, playing golf at the nicest course. And all you do is walk around saying, I'm with him. That Charlie guy, he's awesome. I'm with him. That's the ministry of identification. Friends, as followers of Jesus, do you know what we do in this life? We walk around saying, I'm with him. That guy, he's awesome. That Jesus guy, everything he has is mine. All that I had that I don't want anymore, he took it. I'm with him. That's what we have in our baptism. Forgiveness of sins, check. Holy Spirit empowerment, check. Deliverance from death, check. Resurrection life, check. That's a good deal, right? Friends, the ministry of identification in our baptism doesn't stop there. It leads to the benediction of the Father. Right? There's mystery here. There's mystery that God the Father sent God the Spirit to empower God the Son to enact his ministry on our behalf. Did Jesus need the Holy Spirit to do his ministry? Did Jesus need the benediction of the Father to go forward in his life and his ministry? It's mystery. But I know this, we need it. I know this too, we have it in Jesus. Deliverance from death to life, that's pretty good. Forgiveness of sins, that's awesome. You know what? That's not the end game for Jesus. Do you know what you get because your sins are forgiven? When you are delivered from death to life, you get a relationship with the Father in which you get to hear his word spoken over you. You are my son. I take great delight in you. You are my daughter. And I delight in you. As if that's not enough. The benediction of the Father over us empowers and motivates us to go out and to participate in fulfilling all righteousness. Jesus says, I have work that you get to do. You get to carry on my work in this world. As my follower, with the blessing of the Father. Friends, what will that look like for you? What will that look like for us as a congregation? I'm not sure about the what, but God's going to use you in your vocation, as a student, as a grandparent, Wherever you are, God's going to use you and your obedience as he continues to fulfill all righteousness according to his plan. I don't know what it will be for you, but I know how. You have the voice of the Father speaking over you. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Let me end with... A story. It's a sports story. It's a sports theme this morning. Now, there's a book written by Jeffrey Marks called A Season of Life. I don't know if you've had a chance to read this book. It's a fantastic read. It's about Bart Ehrman, and he's an ex-NFL lineman, and he got a job coaching Gilman High School in inner-city Baltimore, and he didn't need the money. He didn't even necessarily 
uh, long to be a high school coach, but what he wanted to do is shape young men to become grown men who love others well. And so Marx begins the book by bringing you into the locker room scene. And before every game or practice, our airman would do this call-response chant with his team, and he would say, what's our job as coaches? And the kids would respond, to love us. And then he would say, what's your job? And they'd say, to love each other. What's our job as coaches? To love us. What's your job? To love each other. And he would say, I love you. Go play. Friends, in Jesus, the voice of the Father says, I love you. I delight in you. Now go play. Let us pray. Gracious God, by your Spirit, would you massage these words into the depths of who we are? And Father, if we don't know you in this kind of way, would you open our eyes to see your ministry, Jesus? Would you reveal yourself to us in all your beauty and all your truth? Father, if we are followers of you, would you give us the diligence to reflect upon our baptisms this morning, to be encouraged, to be affirmed, and to go forth with joyful obedience. We'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.